Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 135 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. There is a Twitter account, Super 70s Sport, and it's hilarious stuff. They've just brought up a photo of Dick Paradise. I'm not going to read you the entire tweet, but Dick Paradise was a defenseman that uh, played for the Pittsburgh Penguins in the uh, 1970s. He was one of the few guys ever, an American-born defenseman, to uh, to beat uh, Clark Gillies in a fight. And, I mean, Clark Gillies, maybe Ben Wilson beat him once of the two times he fought, but Clark Gillies destroyed uh, Terry O'Reilly, destroyed, uh, destroyed Dave Schultz. Hard-nosed, tough defenseman. All right, uh, here we go. We will uh, bring aboard my broadcast partners. Jack, it was good seeing you today for the first time in three months at the uh, 630 Chet Studios. How you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. I noticed you didn't linger too long, so about 45 minutes with me apparently uh, satiated you for three and a half months in absentia. But it sounds like we're going to be back to work here sooner rather than later. Well, actually, Jack, I I went upstairs, and Brendan can hop on the blower here right now and join us back at the studio. Uh, I spent some time with with Brendan and Chris discussing college football, uh, discussing current U.S. geopolitical situations. Brendan, how long was I there for? At least another half hour? I would say so by the time I rolled through the door. I can corroborate that. There you go, Jack. So I just wanted to, you know, I, I, I like getting well, multiple. You were talking about U.S. Uh, geopolitical situations. I'm sure I'm sure Brendan was marking time. I'm sure that. He was totally engaged in the conversation along with Chris, who's actually, Chris produces Jay Lynn show, uh, Jack, and uh, uh, he was born in Ohio. And you were born in Pennsylvania, so I guess you guys are, you know, kind of. I mean, those were like Florida really not. We're yeah, brothers. They, sure. They were like the the college football hotbeds back in the '60s, weren't they, or the '50s for producing players on the NFL? Well, uh, three clouds, uh, three yards, and a cloud of dust for old Woody Hayes, uh, who of course inspired uh, one of my favorite lines of all time when he beat Michigan 50 to 14 and went for two with a minute to go up 36 points they asked him why he went for two and he said because I couldn't go for three that along with what's your John McKay line that always makes me laugh well uh, uh, John McKay has a serious has a number of different lines but uh, when he was asked about his offense's execution he said I'm in favor of it this is when he was coaching the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Was that pre-Steve Young in Tampa Bay or must have been at that time? Yes, he he was out of there before Steve Young arrived. So, so uh, Doug Williams yeah. maybe or was or did that even predate Doug Steve DeBerg? I'm trying to think of who the QB would have been back in those days. He, he had he had Doug Williams. He I think was gone by the time DeBerg got there. I think the coach of the box when Steve Young was there was the immortal Lehman Bennett. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he with Atlanta for a while, too, for some I, reason? I, I think vaguely. I'm not sure as a head coach. He might have been a coordinator. Uh, all right. Uh, great stuff. And this is uh, this is part of what you and me end up 
in the in the first half of the season because we both love football uh, we end up watching a lot of college and NFL football during the course and, and how many different fantasy football what are you down to just two leagues or three leagues I'm right just now down to two I have it under control now yeah well and I'm I've been in the same pool with a bunch of guys for about 30 years in our fantasy football team and hadn't had a, a sniff the last three I got to stop drafting running backs out of the SEC doesn't seem to I drafted McFadden he didn't pan out the way they thought who's the guy in Jacksonville right now of Leonard Fournette uh, out of LSU all right Jack uh, you mentioned it you hit on it there what, what are you saying are you are we pulling the dumb and dumber line here you're saying there's a chance in terms of some potential play yeah no I, I think uh, you know if all, if all goes well we could be back to work here you know in, in the next three to four weeks so I you know I'm excited that uh, you know they might have not been the first choice for whatever reason but I feel like Edmonton all along, I don't think the problem ever was with Edmonton's bid. I think, uh, you know, most of what was driving uh, the NHL to other locations had to do with, you know, what what they perceived as maybe a, a sexier landing spot. So I, I quite frankly think that for the players' sake, uh, if we're all about health and safety and we're all about uh, an area that's going to keep everyone safe, players, staff, families included, I think Edmonton has always been the right choice. So uh, this is this is a positive, you know, for the city. I think it's a positive for the Oilers Entertainment Group that that works so hard on the bid. And and quite frankly, Bob, at the end of the day, we're all fans. And no matter where we're broadcasting from or where we're watching from, we ultimately just want to see this season play out because it offered so many compelling storylines, not just from an Oiler perspective, but you know, you had Alex Ovechkin in the hunt for another Rocket Richard trophy. You had really strong second-half pushes from, you know, Tampa Bay and Philadelphia that threatened what appeared to be a runaway for Boston in the first half of the season. So there were a lot. And, and then, of course, there was the rotating door of the Pacific Division leader. I mean, uh, you know, as wild a race as, as we had seen in terms of a, a division race in, in quite some time. And and one that I kind of anticipated and was looking forward to its conclusion. And, you know, we, we're not going to get to see that. But if we see playoff hockey, I think, Bob, uh, I think you'd agree with me. Oh, playoff hockey would cure a lot of our regular season ills in terms of what was left on the table with 11 games to go, including, in my opinion, I, I still, you know, maintain and I get laughed at on, on some of these shows. But I don't think Leon Dreisaitl was done in terms of the Rocket Richard. I uh, you know, he he was a guy that before that little lull right before the pause, he, I think he had six goals and 11 points over a four-game span. So if he had gotten hot down the stretch and with the Oilers needing to win some big games down the stretch, that was certainly a possibility. I wouldn't have counted him out uh, for the Ross, the Hart, and even the Richard. Uh, Jack Jack has texted us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Steve Spurrier, uh, of course, who would go on to be a successful coach at Florida, was the quarterback for McKay at uh, Tampa Bay when they. Well, that was in '76. I mean, yeah. That, that yeah, you're if you're going to the original year, that was that was '76 where where they brought in Steve Spurrier from the 49ers, but but. Uh, the, the guy that led McKay to the division title in the playoffs a couple years was, of course, 
Doug Williams, and then he got in that contract dispute, ended up in the USFL, and and later, of course, uh, found a safe landing spot in Washington, and two years later was MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah, crazy stuff. All right, so Edmonton, Chicago, uh, you're gearing up for that a bit. Hawks won two of the three regular season games, both in Chicago. What do you think of the matchup? Well, you know, I don't think it's a gimme for Edmonton, but I, I think there's a reason the Oilers were 11 points ahead of the Hawks in the standings when when the, uh, you know, season was abruptly uh, put on pause there. I think the Oilers' depth down the middle, uh, especially potentially exposing guys like Dylan Strom and Kirby Dock from a defensive standpoint. I mean, ultimately, you can only put Jonathan Taves on one line, Bob, and that's why... You know, Dave Tippett's determination to, to make it a two-line team with, with Dreisaitl and, and McDavid and making, you know, those guys on separate lines and finding a way to generate productivity is so crucial because in this particular series, even though it's a short series, I think Chicago can really get exposed in terms of having, you know, not having an answer for either Dreisaitl or McDavid's line. Uh, you know, again, because Jonathan Taves can't play 35 minutes a game. He can't, you know, so I think Edmonton's depth, even in the best of five series, I've had a lot of people challenge me on that. Well, at the best of five series, depth doesn't matter. Well, I'm not so sure about that because Chicago has nowhere to turn after Corey Crawford. They're going to have Calvin DeHaan, a guy who hasn't played a game, let alone three and a half months. He hasn't played a game in seven months. He's going to be in their top four. Uh, so Edmonton is is much the superior club on defense and in goal, and I just, you know, as much as I respect guys like Duncan Keith and Taves and Kane and even Corey Crawford, who could certainly get hot in the short series and give Edmonton problems, I feel like the Oilers have a better club. And if, you know what? It's a it's you can consider it a bad break. But if you can't beat Chicago in a best of five, then you probably don't deserve to go that far in the playoffs anyways. I think Edmonton takes care of business. I really do. I mean, everyone's saying it's a scary matchup, but the Oilers have a better hockey club. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, so a lot of success for about a 25-game run for Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto flanking Leon Dreisaitl. The last couple games before we got to the pause, Nugent Hopkins was playing with Connor McDavid. Will Ryan Nugent Hopkins be with McDavid, or will he be with Drysaddle when we get back and at it? He'll be with Drysaddle and Yamamoto. I mean, let's not forget, the Oilers lost that last game before the pause. And that was, you know, a, a decision of the Jets. It was a close game, and Edmonton outshot Winnipeg, I believe, handily that night. But the bottom line is, is you know, I think what got Edmonton into position, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think with that line intact, at the beginning of the hockey game, there were 17-7-5. and five. I mean, that's a pretty good record. And, you know, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid were all top five in the league in scoring over that stretch. Yamamoto was a point-per-game player. I absolutely think you're right back to Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto with Connor McDavid on the line with Zach Cassian. And in my opinion... When we come out of the break, I think Dave Tippett is going to trust Tyler Ennis to be in that spot. But, of course, that first line left wing or whatever you want to call it, whether it's first or second line alongside McDavid, that's going to be the question mark. I think they'll start with Ennis 
and and then have the flex position of maybe getting an athlete to see you going if he's going or or one of the other guys. Uh, James Neal is probably on that list. I think the break might help James Neal. He his offense had kind of dried up. He got banged up, as you know, Bob, and and kind of had an injury riddled month there where he didn't score in thirteen or fourteen games, but. You know, he's the guy who could score in bunches. And if you're going to give Chicago credit for being able to come out into a short series and maybe score in bunches, well, James Neal is on that list, too, for me. He can, he's a guy who, if he gets hot, it's going to be lights out for whoever, uh, you know, whichever opponent feels the brunt of that. Jack, you put a tweet out on Canada Day talking about, you know, this now being your home and where your kids have been raised and all that sort of stuff. This is a very different july 4th celebration in the u.s today than it has been isn't it well you know unfortunately bob I, you know i i gotta tell you right now that one of the reasons that that uh the two hub cities are in canada is quite frankly a lack of leadership at, at the top of the united states and i don't think the united states has done nearly as good a job as canada has in terms of handling this pandemic you look at the other wealthy developed nations all their rates are going down low and and uh the united states is really an anomaly from a worldview right now in terms of how they've handled this whole situation and no one's saying that you know, it was going to be easy no matter who was in the Oval Office or right. who was at the helm of things. But I think we can all agree that the United States could have done a lot better than it has. And so what I would tell you is I feel extremely fortunate to live in Canada, and I feel extremely fortunate to live in a true Canadian city. I'm glad I live in the interior of Canada and not just a, a border city. I, I feel every day that I, when I wake up, I'm living in Canada, and, and uh, you know, that's no knock on Vancouver or Toronto, but no one will ever confuse Edmonton with a city uh, based in any other country than Canada. And I don't think you can say the same for some of uh, Canada's other major cities. So I feel extremely fortunate. All right, we started with football. We're going to close with football. Jim Brown yesterday uh, was on ESPN, and he thinks the Cleveland Browns are going to make some noise this year. Now, you're for, you got to be the only guy from the state of Pennsylvania that's a Cleveland Browns fan and not a Steelers fan. Or I think Eagles. you're probably right on that, bud. Yeah, you know, but uh, or an Eagles fan, right? So you know, obviously, you're from Western Pennsylvania. That's I don't Pittsburgh. consider Philadelphia part of Pennsylvania. Well, you'll have to educate our listeners why. What it's what it's what it's heresy. I consider Philadelphia part of the great state of New Jersey, where you got a toll booth every couple miles. But okay. uh, you know, Cleveland Browns, them, who I still believe is probably the greatest football player in the history of the National Football League says that the Browns are going to make some noise, then I'll take that to the bank, Bob. As you know, I've been predicting a record of 12-4 and four for the Browns as long as you've known me, and I think they've won about 12 combined games over that stretch of time. So one of these years, I'm going to be right. All right. Jack, uh, have a good rest of the day. Take care, man. Enjoy your 4th of July. <laughs> there you go. 149 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up Oilers now after this. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's 152 in Edmonton. We were talking about uh, the NFL there briefly and uh, the uh, misguided uh, Screefs, which is my fantasy football team, and the fact that I took uh, Leonard Fournette. I've also got Derek Henry Fournette from LSU, Henry from Alabama, and the fear, the Finn, Phil, uh, who's a big San Jose Sharks fan, says, Bob, you need a running back 
Christian uh, McCaffrey from the Stanford University intellectual brutality. Well, he's the number one running back in fantasy football. I'm not getting him. I mean, this is a continuous pool year after year, so uh, you just don't throw those guys back in there. They're on everybody's keeper list, but thank you. Yes, he's turned out to be an amazing... His dad was a heck of a uh, possession receiver back in the day as well, Ed McCafferty. Uh, Bob Stoffer with you, uh, along with Brendan Escott. And we're going to go to the Stan Oilers history, and we've already talked about it a bit. It was a significant one, uh, Brennan, back in 2006. When the Oilers traded Chris Pronger to the Ducks for Ladislav Smead, Joffrey Lupul, and three draft picks, one of which used to take Jordan Eberle, the other two ultimately traded away. In his only year in Edmonton, Pronger registered 52 points in 80 regular season games, was a huge part of the team making the cup final in that playoff run. Some would say between Mark Messier and Connor McDavid, he was the best player to play for Edmonton. Others might say between Mark Messier and Taylor Hall. Others would say Doug White was a pretty good player, had a 100-point season as well. Uh, yesterday, Ryan Nugent Hopkins joined the uh, Oilers over at Rogers Place. Today, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse, Zach Cassian, as well as Tyler Ennis and William Lagason. Uh, we will have a show for you on Monday. Our NHL insider, John Shannon, will be on the show along with Joe Haggerty and Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports. I'm on tonight with Reed along with Red Deer sporting legend Cam Moon and Rob Leth out of uh, Global Toronto to uh, discuss the Toronto bid uh, as part of uh, the Hub City, and maybe we'll have greater clarification at that time. Jalen Nye is off this afternoon, so Rob Breckenridge uh, will be filling in from 2 to 4, and then Chris Brentlinger Grant will take over uh, the back half of the show from 4 to 6 today. Brendan, have a uh, terrific weekend. Thanks, Bob. You as well. Yeah, and uh, we'll wrap it off. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, again, followed by the simulcast of the Rob Breckenridge Show uh, from 2 to 4 today out of CHQR Radio 770 in Calgary. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.